Well, hello. It has been quite some time. Uh, just one pandemic in between our last conversation. And everything's the same. Nothing has changed. is the same. We are still in our homes. We are still doing everything virtually. We have pay a new no president. attention. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. We everything have a new president. Go. That is the one thing that has changed. <laughs> oh, COVID. Well, one of the things that COVID has done, uh, it has wrecked the church in many ways. Some good, some bad. Um, but it has just played with everyone's emotions around what church is supposed to be. And so as we were thinking about getting together, I was talking to, to Mike and I threw out a couple titles and he sort of liked this one the best. Uh, and so today our topic of conversation is, is the church dead? So boom. <laughs> and, and I will, I will say this. Uh, my threat is yes. Uh, I'm just going to say that. And then I had told Mike, I was going to give him the rest of the time to talk about that, to which he disagreed vehemently. Not with <laughs> yes, but with talking for another 20 minutes. But again, the, the conversation is the church dead. Is it dead as we know it? And so Mike, Let's start the conversation here. What are your quick thoughts regarding this? Is it dead? Heck no. Is it dead as we knew it? As many people knew it? The, the attractional, consumeristic, come to a show and give me my events? That's dead. I think that's dead or it's dying. Yeah, I mean, it's on... It's on a ventilator. There are people <laughs> that are working really hard to keep that body alive, to keep that system alive. Um, but I, th I think we just need to let it die because it, it wasn't as good as we remember it. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> it was full of bigots and liars and hypocrites and racists. I mean, I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll put it this way. We... Uh, we read the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And yet I hear so many people with existing attractional consumeristic prevailing model of the church churches saying, I don't even know if I have a church left. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the crazy things is that as I talk to pastors right now, they, they're, they're just like, I have no clue. They don't know who's out there. They don't know how many people are like tuning in because they're doing everything remotely right now on zoom or facebook live or youtube live or church.tv you know they've got their their thing that they're doing but they said at the end of the day we don't know who's there right now isn't that the definition of insanity is is doing the exact same thing you were doing before and expecting different results they're gonna go okay we've got a pandemic let's do the same thing online <laughs> It's crazy. And expect drastically different results. We're going to see growth and expansion. Our church is going to go further because we're going to take the exact same package and stick it on video online. I, I will say uh, we're a small church in New England. Um, we've broken even. So I know exactly who's a part of our body. We're, we're down a few people and we're plus a few people. So we are literally at a break even point uh, through the pandemic. But I think 
you sort of hit that that nail on the head, right? That's the definition of insanity. Yet somehow yeah. insanity is what pulls us back in over and over and over. It's like we we almost thrive in the stupidity of what was. Yeah, and it's muscle memory. It's it, people do what they what they were trained to do, what they were taught to do, what they know how to do. And so there's this fear of even trying or attempting something that they're unfamiliar with or not comfortable with or feel like they 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 don't have an expertise in it. And so people just keep recreating the same stuff that they've done and in many senses I think it's fear. I think there's a lot of fear of what if it doesn't work and I don't know what I'm doing. Um uh, and, and I, I think the other is it's just comf- comfortable. It's comfortable. So uh, fear and an obsession with comfort and safety and security just lulls people into this sleep when it comes to their faith. There's no danger, risk, adventure. It's predictable. It's boring, Tim. It's boring and predictable. You know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to they've got everything already pre-scheduled. Every post is pre-scheduled. Everything is is already recorded and ready to go out at, at the regular rhythm, matched up with the algorithms of when people will most likely watch it. It's so far removed from this walking with Jesus. We have no idea where we're going to be at the end of the day. We don't know if we're going to be on top of a mountain or in a boat or hugging lepers or sitting around a table with tax collectors and sinners. It's completely different. It's it's very safe and tamed and predictable. Yeah. And and that's that's the thing, right? So I was just like writing what the church was down. Um and and I think this is where there's conflict, right? So it's like are we just playing to our base in this in this podcast here or are these real things and i think like even the youth groups i was a part of 25 years ago this is the same terminology so i don't think it's playing to anyone here right so it's like what what did we operate as the predictability was we were a country club right so Mm -hmm. the church it was a country club it operated as though you had to be part of some exclusive group some holier then now group and once you came in well and made the right decision then you could be a part of the church right the church wasn't for the least of these it was only for those who made the cut mm-hmm. then there and there it was so I, I said only for the perfect or it was only to be a show whether it was 75 people facing forward or 5000 it was about one person that was perfect standing up and i don't know about you mike but in all of humanity, in all of human history, I only know one who was perfect. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. what we did is we idolized and we created this false god of the celebrity pastors, the celebrity who could, he would execute justice and he would be able to speak perfectly and every ounce of his life would, would be without blemish. Like, this is how we operated. And then mm-hmm. we were somehow devastated when that person failed. Instead yeah. of we never, we never even gave them grace. We didn't even operate <laughs> in an opportunity of, hey, let me bestow grace upon you. Yeah, let's talk about your sin, but let's talk about grace. It was only about Sundays. Mm-hmm. Right? So when I think about, is the church as, is dead as we know it? I think the reality is, yes, I think these things in many ways are going away. I think the church will try to cling to them. But again, they're living in the past. I think about that passage you brought up, Mike. 
right, from, from Matthew in, in chapter 16, like when it talks about the gates of hell, but they will not prevail. I think another way that the church operated was on the defense. When I think about that passage, it's not a defensive statement, right? It's an offensive statement. The gates of hell, like they are, they are trying to hold themselves while we push against them because we have the spirit of the living God alive in us. And so is the church dead as we know it? I hope it is. I hope these things disappear. And I hope instead of operating on the defense, we start to operate on the offense. Sorry. I yeah, guess. It's a, I no, guess. you're right, man. It's, it's, an, it's an advancing movement, not a defensive movement, not a how do we not die, but how do we, how do we infiltrate the entire world with the glory of God so that this place, this planet looks like heaven yeah. in this neighborhood, in this city, in this nation, as it is in heaven, all over the planet as it is in heaven. And I, you know, I think that there's this, uh, you, you know, the phrase, and we quote Hirsch all the time on this, but it's hard to teach people what they think they already know. And I, so I think one of the issues here is that um, people go back to what they are familiar with and I, you've seen one of my blog posts that um, where I talk about how we are training people in Bible colleges and seminaries for a world that no longer exists. You're you're essentially you're training people to open up blockbuster video stores when there are no more blockbusters, and so people are being trained and developed to start these churches that are no longer connecting with, reaching. We're making disciples out of out of the harvest with people who are not a part of the church. Um, they're just not even interested in that sort of thing, and yet we we continue to prop up the system, and it it's not it's not effective. I think if you were to be blindfolded, imagine for a second that you're blindfolded, stuck in a helicopter, and flown across the world somewhere. You don't even know where you're at. And then you're dropped off in, in a jungle somewhere. You're disoriented. You don't even know what continent you're on. And, and when you take the blindfold off, you're told to go start a church. Right? Now, you're going to have to think in ways that you've never thought. You're going to have to get creative. You're going to have to get outside the box. You're going to have to start thinking, what is church going to look like here and for these people? In many ways, that has happened in our in our in our world right now and we are in denial because of covid because of the changing climate of our world because of the ineffectiveness of the old models of church we have been metaphorically dropped off um, out of a helicopter with a blindfold on that thing's taken off and we have to look around at the world around us and say, what does church look like? What does disciple making look like? How do we reach those that are far from Jesus and see them become like Christ in this very different world, culture, and climate than we're in? And if we don't do that, then I would, I would argue that we're out of touch. So how do, how do we help people get to the helicopter and <laughs> metaphorically speaking, without actually getting on a helicopter and how do we drop them almost back into their own environment, metaphorically speaking, as though they had never been there before so that they begin to operate differently. Because I think that's the battle is almost within the church, the goalposts aren't moving together. They're, they're holding firm on opposite ends. And so it's, we, how, how do we force this mentality? Maybe not like force is the right word, but how do we, how do we, 
empower people to begin to think this way every day and and now and not wait for tomorrow how do we how do we do this now i mean i've heard a lot of people tim now say i don't miss it a lot of people say i don't miss so those church, people, do you think church the way that it was. do you think they're ever I, coming back I think that they desperately want community. I think people are starving for community. I think they really want to change their their neighborhood and their culture. I think that they um, are hungry to to understand faith in our world and and want hope. And so, yeah, I, I think that they are are coming back to Jesus and desiring community, but I don't think that they're interested in a, a big show, an event with people that they don't know and have no real community with. I mean, we have to think about um, what is community? If, if, you, if, if a person from uh, just an average normal church talks about community, they might in their mind envision a group of people that show up at a building on a Wednesday night, predictably at seven o'clock, there's warmed up really bad Folgers coffee. The kids are dropped off in a room. They're sitting around with a group of people and, and they're discussing a passage of scripture with people that they don't really know. And maybe they never even get to know and they call it community. And these are people that they've never hung out with. They've, they've never done anything fun with. They've never tried to go and change a neighborhood with. They, don't even know the names of their dogs. And yet they call it community. Say, yeah, our church has community. We've got community groups at seven o'clock on a Wednesday night. And when I think about community, I think about a group of people that we have gone on vacation together. We've met each other's needs, paid each other's bills. They're doing laundry in my home. Um, we're watching their kids form. There's a there's another image or picture of what community can be. And so rather than thinking about holding on to Wednesday night at 7 o'clock with Folgers coffee and animal crackers, we have to think about um, what could real, deep, authentic community look like? And is there a better way forward? And instead of trying to prop up the past can can we advance, like you talked about, into the future with something that is exciting, beautiful, invigorating, life-giving? Um, I, I think that's our opportunity right now, is to envision something different, to look around at our neighborhood, see, as Pankratz said yesterday in one of our coaching calls, see what sucks about your neighborhood, <laughs> and then ask Jesus what he would do about it. And I, I think there's an opportunity for us now to look around in our neighborhoods, our cities, our communities, and say, what is broken? And in, in what ways can we be good news together as a group of friends in this place as we follow Jesus? And I think, so when I, when I, when I think about that, I think the, the, what, I, what I was hearing is people are desperate for community, but they don't know what it is. And so they're, they're still looking for someone to help define it for them, right? So we have this great opportunity. Even in the past, we've talked about this, right? People, you know, the Acts 2, 42 through 47, or Acts 4, you know, where they're, they have everything in common and they're taking care of each other's needs. Like, we've talked about, like, this is the heart. This is what we desire. But then the reality is, how does it play out? And when, mm -hmm. I, when I think about this, they're looking for someone to, to push them, almost nudge them. And so I think there's two nudges here, 
right? Because we're, we're going to have different spheres of people listening to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there's three, maybe, maybe I'm wrong completely. I, I'm cool with that. I like being wrong. No, I don't. But, right. <laughs> but when I think about it, it's like, I think about like anybody who's the pastor of a large church. And by that, like if you're 75 people or over, you're large, you're the average size or larger than most churches in the world. Right. And we need to kill what was and teach people about community true community. We need to model it in our way of life, right? And then there's, for the followers of Christ, we, we need to completely throw off sort of what was encumbering us and holding us back, and we need to operate differently. We need to not look to that one person to be the, the guide and instead look to Jesus, right? We're followers of Jesus, not followers of Tim and Mike, Right. And so what does it look like for us to really operate differently and pursue genuine community? And maybe that's us leading the charge. Right. Mm-hmm. You, it, I, I just want so desperately for the church to grab a hold of this because I see it like digging a hole to jump into if they continue with what was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I think uh, I think people get lazy with relationship and they get busy and um, just go through the motions of life and parenting and work and marriage and all of that 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 they lose uh, sort of the wonder of of discovering and building relationship with people. So you almost it, it would almost be helpful to use a metaphor like dating. Hmm. Like you remember back when you first started dating your your future what was at the time your future wife, your present wife now, your only wife. Um, Remember back when you first started dating and there was this desire to get to know her. There was this, we want to experience things together. We want to go places together. We want to do things that are fun. We we want to change the world together in some positive ways. There are all these possibilities, but but um, it wasn't confined to just predictability or routine. There was, there was a, I want to experience a concert with you, or um, I want to travel to this place with you, or I want to try out this food with you, or I want you to meet these people alongside of me. And so there was this desire to be on a journey with a person where the two of you were experiencing life in community together. And I, I think we sort of need to reimagine that when it comes to other people, almost date them, get to know them, have fun with them, do things with them that are exciting and enjoyable, and um, maybe go on a hike with them and pray with them or throw a party with them and include neighbors. But we've got to get out of the mindset of how do we do events to make this sort of thing that we're doing in the name of Jesus, succeed so that we can feel like we're a success to why don't we actually really get to know these people and enjoy them and do something that would be really fun, exciting, and life-giving and transformation transformational alongside of these people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if there's sort of a much better uh, encouragement than that. And I think, I think what I hear in all of that, too, is the desire for how we're supposed to operate, right? And so while we get rid of the country club and we 
pursue Jesus in community and we get to know our neighbor, like that, that operation then becomes about living in unity and being connected to one another, very literally struggling together. I love, I love that passage in Philippians where it's like, it's genuinely about struggling together. And this is an example of the attitude of Christ Jesus. And who didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. And I just think about that passage and how in community and in pursuing Jesus, if we were to get rid of what once was, this doesn't become a hard thing for us to do. To struggle together is not cumbersome. To not be about the show isn't cumbersome. It's actually life-giving. It's like giving to everyone that is a participant. It's not a, a life suck. And I, I, I desperately desire for the church to begin to take on that type of attitude. And so you're, you're right. You're right, Tim. I think that there's a, a sort of um, we were trained to do things a certain way. And so you end up in this place where you put together an event. I remember this years ago. I remember putting together events that I would, I would talk to my wife and say, I don't really want to go to this. And I was leading it. And I, and I would previously be putting out all the invites and telling everyone to come. It's going to be great. Secretly, I didn't even want to go to it. It was just another class to sit there that wasn't even giving life and excitement and energy. And yet I had to sort of prop up this event and get people stoked for it or whatever, right? You got to get pumped and come into this thing. It's going to be great. Tell your friends. And secretly, I didn't even want to be there. And so we have to think rather than just put together. And at the time, can I ask you, can I ask you, were you living with those people you were telling others to invite them? No. Yeah. No. Like, no, totally disconnected. The, the people that I was inviting to the thing, we had never hung out outside of the sanctioned church events in the, in the building. And uh, I, I think if we have a different imagination for what would I like to do? I love to take walks and hikes. And what if I invited people to go with me and we could talk along the way? And what if I prayed and thought through a couple meaningful questions to ask my friends as we were taking a hike that would spark some good spiritual dialogue. And when we get to the top of the hill, we can pray together for each other, for our families. What a beautiful moment and experience that would be. (laughs) Right. And that's the thing is you said something in there, sanctioned church event. Like, yep. Ah, that's that's it man (laughs) that's that's the thing that we want we want that to die yes we want we want that system to die not not the church of god the gates of hell will not prevail against that that is a living organism that's something that reproduces but we want that dead system or that dying system to complete its death process actually go into the ground and we want something to come to life that would rise up out of that, that would be living and exciting and life-giving, and that people would go, gosh, tell me about the hope that lies within you. I want to be a part of that community. What what would you create um, if, if you thought about uh, a, a type of church that you would be excited to bring your friends into? What would that look like? Those are the types of questions we have to ask. 
And so, so I think as we get ready to wrap up here, I think one of the things is thinking about what you just said. So we're almost hoping the church as we know it has died. If it hasn't, um, for those listening that are still clinging, just consider what we're saying. <laughs> right. And for those that are sort of the part of the, the royal priesthood of believers, and you're hearing this, maybe we try and bury it. And together we work towards something different, something that is life giving. Right. Let's, let's think about how we can participate in this journey together going forward and not be bound by the system, not be bound by the sanctioned event, not be bound by the perfection of one person, but say, okay, God has called me on mission. He's called me on mission to love my neighbor and to love others and to make disciples, right? So with God at the core of who I am, I'm going to do these things. Like this is the church. And I love that because it'll, it allows for all of us to be participants. Mike, Mike, we've talked about this in the past, right? Where everybody is a player in God's kingdom. In God's economy, we are all players. And we don't need to operate with borders. We don't need to operate with our little kingdoms. Well, I go to X or Y and I'm a part of this one or that one and we do this event. And no, 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 no. We need to throw those things off. We need to kill what was. So is the church dead? I... I hope so. And if not, I, I want to put it in the ground. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As we know it, that's really what I'm driving. And I want yeah. something new birth <laughs> that, that we even don't have eyes for yet that God has orchestrated for us. Yeah. And Tim, just to, just to make a, a little distinction there that I think is really important as we close our time is when we say the church dead, we're not talking about the living family of believers. We're talking about systems and structures that are not promoting family health, vitality, growth, transformation, multiplication. So I, I think this is an opportunity for those systems to, to die and for us to let that stuff go so that maybe for the first time, People who have been corpses walking around with no life, energy, excitement, and passion would for the first time have life breathed into them. I I don't think this is a time to attack or shoot our, our wounded who are watching their old paradigms come crumble down. But maybe it's a time for us to say, you can be alive for the first time. You can experience faith and community like you never have before. This is a brilliant opportunity. Rather than getting upset and hanging on to the past, why, why don't you, for the first time, the sleeping giant can be awakened and the church can be all that it was meant to be? I think that's a great ending, right? This is an invitation for the church to be all that it was meant to be. And I think your explanation there, Mike, was perfect at the end. Maybe we should, hopefully people made it this far. Maybe we can edit that and put that at the very beginning. Um, Dude, the churchy people signed off like it. They signed off at the beginning anyways. Okay, my bad. They were were gone like four minutes in. (laughs) But if you're you're listening. Either that or they're listening to the end so that they can write us nasty emails. I don't know. this This is an invitation, right, for us to be something different. Well, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. Uh. If you have any comments, 
feel free to leave them. Mike will respond to every single one of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, but yeah, please share this podcast. Please like and subscribe to us. We would love for us to be a group of people on mission together. It's not just about Mike and I here, uh, but it is about all of you as active participants in this journey with us. Visit, visit us at creocollective.org. See you on the outside. Adios. Adios.